Welcome back, podcast listeners, episode 127. And Tony, today I guess whenever there's a conversation about active or passive investing, it can quickly turn into a heated debate because investors and wealth managers, I guess, within the industry tend to strongly favour one strategy over the other. While passive investing is probably, uh, I guess, more popular um, throughout the market, there is an argument to be made for the benefits of acting investment as well. So how do you sort of see those arguments going sometimes, Tony? Uh, this could this could become a, a Twitter storm, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I will, I just do, will I just do my normal sitting under fence? I, I'm actually seeing, I'm watching some of those reels on Instagram sometimes. I'm actually seeing it even pop up in there. So that sort of gave me the idea about today's. Podcast, but it is a topic of conversation that happens in your meetings, um, and they're both sort of types of investing that that our clients should know and the people should know. And what we're going to do today is cover off on them. Um, so I guess I'll throw it to you. Where do you want to start? The passive side or the active side? Are you showing your allegiances or? Oh no, it's um I I I as most people who know me I I look at the, where the best opportunities are. So it's, um, and that's in all areas of life. But when it comes to investing, there's no what right way of investing at all cycles of the market. So in some cycles of the market, the passive index approach is the absolute star. Uh, and, and the good, the good part, the, one of the benefits of the passive investing, uh, too, is you get a more diversified portfolio usually because it's following an index like, for example, the S&P 500 or the ASX 300 or the FTSE 100. So it actually does follow an index. So you're well diversified and just don't have – a lot of people think by having that diversification you don't have um, uh, stock concentration, but that can be a fib. So if you took the ASX 200 as an example, the top 10 stocks take up nearly half of the index. So yeah. there is there is that concentration in there as well. But the one of the good sides of the passive investing, of course, is that it's cheap. It is very cheap. It's just it's the cheapest form of investing on the market is by being in you know one one of those big managers uh, index funds. Well, I guess a passive investing, as you said, that you're sort of investing for the long haul. Um, that, that's the game of it, really. Passive investing. So you're looking to limit the amount of buying and selling within the portfolio, and that's what I guess makes it very cost effective to the client. So. As I said, it's got to require that buy and hold mentality. Um, and that sort of, you got to go against resisting the temptation to react or anticipate to, to the stock market's next move, really. I listen, anyone who thinks they can do it will always get it wrong. Um, and that's anyone. Uh, I don't care. So it's, um, you know, yeah. even Warren Buffett can get it wrong. So it's basically, it's a case of that, you know, people who think they can time the market, uh, drastically lose money always. Uh, so they will get out when they think the market's too high or they read something in the press and then the market still gets real gains and then it does come down. But the only thing that was lost is the gains that were made over that three month period. It's, um, or they say, you know, they think they're stock pickers and time and time again, it's been proven, uh, in every single, single example, every bull market, every bear market. Uh, like for example, over the last 30 years in the US S&P 500, missing the top 10 days. So just being out of the market for the top 10 days, which usually happen after big falls, by the way, uh, but being out of the market for the top 10 days can wipe 50% off your end result over 30 years. That's an example. So trying to time the market does not work. So if you think you're going to get in and out, it just simply doesn't work because when is the best time to get in? When is the best time to get out? You're just always watching. 
But if you're going to stay in it for the long term and not want to look at it and not care about it, sometimes just taking a passive index approach does work really, really well. Yeah. So jumping to the other side of the fence, as we're sort of saying, active investing, um, as it implies, takes a hands-on approach um, and requires that someone act in the role of a portfolio manager. Um, The goal of active money management is to beat the stock market's average return and take full advantage of short-term price fluctuations. It involves a much deeper analysis and the expertise to know when to pivot um, in and out of a particular stock, bond, or any other asset. Um, A portfolio manager usually oversees a team of analysts who look at the qualitative and quantitative factors, then gaze into their, I guess, crystal ball to try and determine um, when that price will change. Yep. um, Doesn't always work. Um, in a lot of cases, doesn't. So, for example, there are some managers um, out there that um, say we're uh, contrarian uh, managers. And what that simply means is that they look at where the market's going and bet against it. So, oh, the market's too high at the moment, we're going to cash, and then the market keeps going up. Or, you know, the market against historical is too high. Or uh, we purely uh, invest in, you know, value stocks, or we purely invest in growth stocks. So, uh, that they they will always have an absolute bias uh, towards their style, and that doesn't always work. Sometimes just being contrarian for contrarian's sake is is what the worst thing that can actually happen. Um, so, and also too is that everyone will have a bias. Every manager will have a bias, and they'll have styles and things like that as well. Uh, so it's a case of are they true to label? In most cases, most of them are. Uh, but then the next thing is they take emotions out of it and no matter what, they will continually just stick to that bias, uh, that they actually have, uh, or that mandate that they actually have, which is not always in the long-term interest of the fund. In saying that, once again, there are opportunities that you can get into by using both a contrarian attitude with an index approach by actually blending them together, which, you know, we did after Trump won the election. Um, So whereas, you know, there was his 100-day plan was to halve corporate tax rates. He pretty much got that straight through. He was going to build a wall that didn't really eventuate. (laughs) And he was going to dismantle Obamacare, which realistically we live in a country where we do have great health care. So for us, that was a bit of why is he doing that? Was it a case of he just didn't want Obama to have a legacy or did he just think it wasn't affordable? At the end of the day, that didn't occur. But what did occur when he did come in, because people didn't expect him to win, what did Hillary Clinton certainly didn't expect him to win, but what did happen was when he did win, the healthcare sector dropped dramatically uh, by nearly 60% in value. At that stage, we took the contrarian, the contrarian result with our researchers at the time and bought 6% of the healthcare index. The reason being is they're still great stocks. You've still got your Pfizer, your Moderna's, your, you know, everyone in there, basically though, but because they got hammered because of the fear of being able to dismantle Obamacare, which of course never eventuated, that sector dropped. So we took the contrarian view, but we bought the index, uh, the passive index. So rather than saying we think Pfizer got hit the worst, we should be in that. Uh, so we actually bought the index. When that rose considerably, we sold off the profit of that and we actually moved it to the NASDAQ 100 index. So when people think isn't index, it doesn't just have to be the S&P 500 or the ASX 300 or, or the REIT index or the FTSE 100 or et cetera, um, or the all world index, you know, the MISCI index. You can actually turn around and be specific like the healthcare 
or the NASDAQ or the, um, or purely industrial or purely resource or, you know, so things like that. So you can actually be very specific. So there is a, there is as much as index is passive, it doesn't have to be in the all encompassing index. It can still be extremely specific in there as well. And that's how, as you know, we build our portfolios, but we don't have a bias towards any one tactical strategic index. Um, we have, if anything, it would be called just GARP, which just stands for growth at a reasonable price. Uh, so basically we look at getting growth in a asset allocation or an asset class and buy into that, and we think that it's a reasonable price. In other words, it's got good long-term growth uh, potential, and we don't ignore the short-term noise, but we certainly take it into consideration. Yeah, so how do you go with clients? I guess so. some people say the disadvantage of a passive income is small returns. You know, you're never going to beat the market because you're essentially following the market. Um, how, how do you have those conversations when you've got that gambling type of person? I, you know, e.g. I have some people that would, you know, oh, I want to beat the market, I want to get higher returns, things like that. How do those conversations normally go? Well, it's interesting because they, they can be, in a lot of cases, they can be younger people. And you might remember the talk I gave in Chicago um, where I said one of the biggest fears I have, and this was back in January 18, I think, uh, that we, we were over there together, Jamie. And as in talking to those people, uh, those high net worth investors, I said one of the biggest fears I have in Australia is the fact that we hadn't had a recession for so long. So we have an entire generation of experts who have never understood hard times. Uh, and that is, you know, no offense. I'm, you know, I'm obviously getting old and grumpy nowadays, but it's, uh, basically you've got a, that have never seen a bear market, that don't understand a bear market, that don't understand high interest rates or hard times, uh, or high unemployment and things like that. Yeah. So what's gone and happened is that you have, and I use the GFC as an example. We didn't really suffer in the GFC. So if you have someone who is 35 years old today, when the GFC occurred, they were 22 years old. Now, when that actually happened is the markets got absolutely crunched and anyone who had a million dollars in the market, the fear, they, you know, that put the fear of God into them. Uh, but that 22 year old might have had a superannuation balance from working at Macca's over a thousand bucks. Yeah. So, so they didn't, they, they didn't even see 500 bucks just wipe off their portfolio overnight. They didn't see it come back because a 50% drop or a 20% drop or a 30% drop on $1,000 is a hell of a lot less. That can be made up in a week's work. You know, a 30% drop on a, a million-dollar portfolio is, is a lot more. So a lot of these gamblers are because, have a look at the markets. Everyone's a gambler in a bull market because there's a good chance that no matter what you bet on, it's actually going to go up in value. And sometimes that fear of missing out continually pushes stocks or cryptocurrency up through the roof because people are just getting onto it out of the fear of missing out. Uh, rather than is has it actually you know if you if you've got a stock price that is factored in a growth for the next thirty years into its price today, there's not much room for growth in that stock. Yeah. You know, so it's um and that's where you have to take that contrarian review on that. But if that just forms part of a passive index and that part and that stock takes up 02 percent of the index, well, it doesn't matter. You know, so part of that passive index. So sometimes. It's actually just that mixture of saying, if you want to gamble, I'm not the guy for you. Yeah. Now, if we if we can outperform the market by 
1% and you're 30 years old and you retire at 65, uh, depending on what your income is, that can be the difference of half a million bucks, that 1%. So one of the, one of the biggest issues with the fear of missing out is also patience. I mean, the first thing is, is, I, you know, when I was your age, Jamie, I could never have imagined being 52. Uh, now I'm 52 and thinking I'm talking to people about, you know, at age 60 and I'm thinking, Christ, that's only eight years away. You know, so it's, um, so the basis of it is, is that with time and patience, if you want to gamble, by all means gamble. Uh, but on the other sense, there's a whole part of it that if this just goes well, that's what it's going to do. And that's what our job is to do. But we have some of our high net worth clients that say, this is my play money. This is my, you just make it grow money. And on that side of the active, you sort of, you've got that active risk of choosing the right managers because realistically you choose, they're they're free to buy and sell as they please within that fund. So, you know, you've got to understand who you're investing with as well. Oh, what their mandate is and what their, you know, so we're looking at one just before Vaughan and I, and they've got ranges in there between Australian equities between uh, 15% and 70%. And this is a this is a, a a global diversified fund, and you're just thinking that's a hell of a big range, you know, to <laughs> actually to be working in. So they basically got those ranges in every different asset class. So what's your mandate, you know? So and then we when we had a look at the returns, our our model portfolio with the same asset allocation over five years is outperformed by four and a half percent per year. You extrapolate that out even for just for ten years, that's a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, so, and they're a very high charging fund as well. So this, this is the thing is now they're just never going to get a look in their model portfolios. But I think that's the key is that we will use a passive or active or tactical or strategic approach for part of the portfolio when it's suited. And then we'll take them out of that when it's just the index approach is suited. Um, as well. We have no hesitate because when we're, we are not XYZ fund manager and this is what you have and we're going to go on a roadshow and continually tell everyone why we're the best, whether we are or not. You know, so it's, uh, and that's, that's where I think the difference lies. So there's nothing wrong with passive investing. There's nothing wrong with tactical investing. You have to understand what the underlying assets are and what the underlying strategy is and are they true to form or are they just all talk? Tony, thank you very much for today. I'm hoping that's, I'm hoping you've sat on the fence well, you've explained both sides, um, and if anyone's got questions, I'm sure they're going to give you a call on it. They usually do. <laughs> Thanks, guys. The Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co., which we are an authorised representative of Gown Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.